2: Man, it's going great. I'm excited to be back in the studio, the Decibel Geek Podcast Studios. We've got a doozy for you today. I mean, this is... A couple of weeks ago, we did the uh, top five Kiss songs of the non-makeup era, and I thought that was difficult. I mean, and it was. It was difficult, but nothing compared to this one. This is... Man, this was, this was hard.
0: Yeah, well, the Kiss one was difficult because it was hard to choose between Burn, Bitch, Burn, and Boomerang.
2: Yeah, that's true. But this one... <laughs> What we've decided to do is we're going to sit down and we're going to discuss the top five albums of the years in between 90 and 95. And, you know, a lot of places, you know, top top five songs in the 90s, tops of the 80s, whatever, you know, but it's just so much we had to break it down. And then even at that point, when we decided that we were going to do the top five songs between 90 and 95, we're going to break it down in five year increments. I mean, even then I called you on the phone and said, are you sure you don't want to just like do 1990, do one year at a time? Because, I mean, I could easily do the top five albums of the year 1990, 92, 94, whatever, you know. But that whole five years, 90 to 95 was such a a boom time for rock music, you know. And it was a time of transition and change as well, too. So, you know, you might hear about, you know, the L.A. Guns came out with an album in that year or in that time, and, you know, so did, you know, red hot chili peppers and and you know you might talk about guns and roses in the same breath as you're talking about pearl jam and nirvana so it was a a time of transition but man some great music came out in that five years
0: yeah it was it was a definitely a time for variety for sure i mean we had a the, the grunge era starting to take over and uh, the pretty boy floyd type groups on their way out mm-hmm. and um so you, i think you're gonna hear a lot of variety on this it was hard to pick five just five which um but i wanted it to be a challenge and i want because this will this will help inspire um plenty of angry response from our listeners i'm sure
2: yeah for sure i mean <laughs> when you think about it like you said you know the transition from like the glam rock 80s you know i you know to me it's party rock you know that's yeah. that's the way i consider it. you know hair bands that's kind of a goofy term to me but it's like goes from party rock to over serious rock but to mm-hmm. me you know whether it's glam, whether it's grunge, whatever. Rock is rock to me. You know I, I can I could see Pearl Jam and Poison on tour together. Why not? You know they're both rock well, bands. Will Poison, it ever happen? Probably not. Poison
0: but... and Allison Chains toured together. Really? In the early '90s. Yeah.
2: See, I never knew that. That's that, an inter- that would have been a cool show to <laughs> yeah, see, huh?
0: It was during the uh, the Richie Cotson era of Poison.
2: Ah, the, yeah.
0: Yeah, Allison Chains opened for them, which is an interesting. And I I, th- I believe Alice Allison Chains also uh, opened for Megadeth on a tour.
2: I think so. I I think I remember that, man. That would be a great one, too. And see, at that time, you know, some of those grunge bands would totally dog the bands that they were about to overtake. But you got to remember when these bands were first coming out, they were more than happy to jump on tour with Poison or Crew or anybody else. I always remember the band Mother Love Bone. And, you know, they were like a forerunner to the grunge scene kind of a thing. They were kind of a hybrid of both Mm -hmm. a little bit. And that was the band that would eventually become Pearl Jam after Andrew Wood died. And I remember watching an interview with them and they're like, you know, hey, we'll go on tour with Poison. We'll go on tour with Wasp. It doesn't matter who, you know, somebody takes out on tour, Mm -hmm. you know. So at that point, before they started getting, you know, a little little oomph behind them on their own, where a lot of these bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam would, would talk shit about Poison and Crew and stuff like that. You know these guys were begging these other bands to get them on slots on their tours. So, like it says, you know, rock is rock. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter.
0: Well, it was a lot of the media that that turned it into a right. to a black and white issue. Yeah. Um. Speaking of the the Mother Love Bone thing, did you see the the Pearl Jam documentary that came out recently? The, uh, called Twenty about the whole the twenty year career. of Pearl Jam? No,
2: I haven't seen that yet. I'd you like you should to.
0: watch that. It's got some. Uh, and I've actually I burned a a copy. Thanks, Torrance. Um, burned a copy here at the house and. Uh, I'll let you borrow it. it. It's very interesting. A lot of there's not a ton of Mother Love Bone stuff, but there's a there's a little bit of a, of a glimpse into that and some interviews with Andrew. Also talking about well, you know wanting to go open for Warrant. And, yeah. Uh, saying oh, well, I don't care. I'd love to play on an arena stage. I don't care if it's opening for Warrant. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, because uh, like at that time, you know, Andrew Wood kind of it was like. Andrew Wood was more like a a party rock guy. Oh, yeah. And the rest of the band was more like a grunge Mm -hmm. band. So to me, man, I loved Mother Love Bone. It was a shame that, you know, it all went down the way it did, and Andrew Wood ended up overdosing and everything, but they could have really been something. Yeah. And, you know, I guess the rest of them went on to uh, Pearl Jam, so they're doing okay for themselves.
0: Yeah, and Pearl Jam will definitely come up later on this on this show
2: yeah i'm That's sure it will long. i mean we're talking 90 to 95 you know you got to talk about pearl jam yeah,
0: absolutely so but yeah good uh the pearl jam 20s done done by cameron crowe who's mostly known for singles and almost famous and uh great great writer but great uh, documentary if you want to check that out so um i guess we're gonna well, well also well, while we're on the subject how was your thanksgiving
2: my thanksgiving was pretty good we uh I went and got together with my wife and her parents and we had a good meal and everything. And then from there, it was down to the NWA Arena for pro wrestling. You know, it was uh, Tennessee Homecoming 2011 with Jerry the King Lawler and Dory Funk Jr. Packed house. Great time.
0: No Andy Kaufman,
2: though. He didn't No. Boy, that would have been something. I will sue you, Lawler! (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take
0: a quick break and we'll be back with the top five early 90s rock slash metal songs that we picked.
2: Should Be, be interesting.
0: Be back in a minute.
2: All right, it's a practical question at this point. We're gonna do Stonehenge tomorrow.
1: No, we're not gonna fucking do Stonehenge!
0: Testies, testies, one, two... Three. Three. <laughs> okay, we're back. We're going to keep that in the show. Nice. Um, yeah, speaking of, of wonderful things from the 90s, uh, have you been keeping up with the, the Beavis and Butthead return to television? Man, I love it. I it's love awesome. it. It is awesome, man.
2: <laughs> I had to actually sit down with the wife and explain to her in a way to make her understand that it's okay for our 11-year-old to watch Beavis and Butthead. Uh-huh. You know, she was like, well, I remember the old ones are so bad. Oh, yeah, baby, the new ones are tame. You know, they're they're not... <laughs> Well, that's bullshit, you know? Yeah. You and I both know that. She's like, okay. And me and my son are sitting there and we're just dying laughing at the new Beavis and Butthead episodes. I mean, they're great. I love mm-hmm. them. It's about damn time they yep. brought back Beavis and Butthead. For years, we've had all these crappy TV shows and remakes of garbage movies and, you know, all this shit they want to remake and do yeah. shitty. Finally, they bring back something good. Beavis and Butthead, welcome back, guys. The, the, I love, it.
0: The, love it. The fact that they're that they're criticizing stuff like Jersey Shore and Sixteen and Pregnant. Well, that is so funny. It's I love and i it's it's probably the first time MTV's shown that they have a sense of humor in like a good fifteen years.
2: Yeah, and when that's the thing too. You're looking at it as you know, back in the day, they would criticize music videos played on MTV. Well, nowadays they don't play music videos on MTV anymore, so what do you got left? Criticize all their stupid-ass TV shows. But at least they're making fun of themselves a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know. I've never watched Jersey Shore. I don't, you know. To me, the clips on Beavis and Butthead are just the right amount of Jersey Shore and and 16 and Pregnant and all that (laughs) that I could handle, you know, because making fun of that... That's all so, that's the only thing it's good for. Oh yeah, definitely. Those shows are awful.
0: Well, all right. So we're we're probably a good 10 15 minutes in and we have yet to talk about any of our choices. Yeah, we are really really so, ought to um, get into the We're breaking the meat a record.
1: It. Now it's time for another lame ass top 5.
0: So yeah, so so top 5 uh early 90s picks for uh not songs but uh records. It's tough. Records. Remember those? Records. Um
2: we're talking 90s. These are CDs now.
0: CDs, yeah. The, the the dawn of CDs, which are on their way out now. So we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, our number five, and uh, Aaron, why don't you go first with your number five? Number
2: five. Man, see, this is tough because I'm looking at my list, and you know, I've got a list a mile long of 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 CDs that came out in the years '90 90 to '95, and you know, every time I l- I look at my top five, I change my mind. So I'm just gonna stick with what I got. I'm not gonna change it, even though in five minutes I'm gonna want to anyway. But my number five for the top five albums, CDs, of 90 to 95, it's hard to pick, man. Alice in Chains' Dirt. That's my my number five pick. You know, it, it was a toss-up, too, because I love Facelift so much, also. Mm-hmm. You know, both of them CDs were good. I just gave the edge to Dirt. I think uh, Alice in Chains' Facelift had some great songs on it. I think Dirt had more great songs on it. And that's the only real difference. I mean, they're the same to me, but you know then again there's there's so many other ones that like i said my top five is so wishy-washy because there's so many great albums that didn't make the cut on my list that i would love to have make the cut mm-hmm. motley Crue's crew album you know mm-hmm. that was my biggest dilemma you know i wanted that cd on the list but it's only five man you, you're giving mm-hmm. me like mental dilemmas here you know i've been <laughs> sweating out this list and i'm just going to stick with what i got so number five alice in chains dirt came out in 92.
0: dirt's a good record um there's it didn't make my list it's it was it was close but uh the only thing that it that prevented it from making my list is that i'm a i'm I'm kind of a sucker for i'm a sucker for facelift and we'll talk about facelift later but facelift had kind of a mix of it was it almost felt like a transition between the old guard and the new guard coming in dirt is a bit is a bit too underground, I guess, for my taste. Yeah. It's a <laughs> it's too grungy pun for intended. you. Yeah, a little bit too grun. A little bit just too much slow stuff on there, like stuff yeah. like. um, Wood. No wood. Wood is good. Wood and Angry Chair are great songs, yeah. but I, I tend to feel a bit depressed after listening to the whole album. Like yeah. Junkhead, Sick Man, were just a little. They were just a little bit too down in the dirt. Pun yeah. intended. God, I got. I guess you're having right. Having lots of pun here.
2: Yeah. Um, well, facelift to me is like more of a metal album, I guess. Yeah. You know, but facelift is just, and it was so hard to choose. You know, with even between the two Alice in Chains CDs, not to mention the other list of fifty CDs that I didn't make the cut onto this list that that I could have put in that number five spot. But you know, to me, it boiled down to. I looked at the iPod. I got more songs off of Dirt than I do off of uh, Facelift. And well, that, a that, good, that was the reason. only the only way I could choose. That was the only way I could break it down.
0: That's a good way of choosing. That's kind of the way I went. Was is, I would pick stuff where I'm like, is, is this something I can listen from start to finish and not really right. skip over very much? Um,
2: and Dirt's a CD like that.
0: Yeah, for for you, it, it it's, it's there a few that I always skip over on that, but uh, Wood and Angry Chair are two songs that my band in high school always tried to play. Angry it, Chair is a killer it, song. It, it was and it was it was always a fun one to play that 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 intro that really low intro and then when the first power chord kicks in that's just a great song um so yeah there's wonderful stuff on that record it was a kind of a transitional period for that group and uh, i wish they had followed it up with another album like dirt instead of going off into acoustic land like they did which i dig that stuff i like sap and jar of flies and i I Mm -hmm. like those songs but i think they they tried to go a little bit they went a little too light, and let's not even get into the self-titled album. I, I think that was just a wreck.
2: Eh, it's It's got some gems on it there. It does, but, you but know, overall, for the most part, a mess. Three great songs on an album don't make a CD great. With know. a
0: three-legged dog on the cover.
2: Cool cover, I guess. Coincidence? Mm. I don't know. All right, so that's your four. number five. One leg for every good song. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why not
0: four? Because there's not more than three. Um. All right, so number five for me is Korn's debut album, Korn, yeah. in 1994. I uh, didn't want to do a big build-up on it. And uh, I know some fans are probably screaming at their iPods right now going, what the fuck is wrong with
2: you? That's what I'm kind of thinking. That well, at.
0: a lot of people don't like Corn anymore, and actually I'm included in that list. I'm not a big fan of Corn anymore. I've hated the stuff that they've done over the last few years. On, You can't re- really rightly call it Corn anymore because it's no. only a couple of the guys that are left in the band. Right.
2: Um, and apparently the ones with the balls are the ones that aren't there anymore. Apparently. Because <laughs> you're right. I mean, that first Corn CD is killer you know it's it's yeah. awesome it was groundbreaking at the time oh, it was different than anything else that was coming out at that time right. and that's what really you know pushed corn you know to where people were digging them and at that point you know radio wasn't really playing these guys no. you know so it was all word-of-mouth and I can tell you by experience you know I worked at radio at that time mm. and all of a sudden I started getting tons of calls at the radio station people want me to play shoots and ladders people yeah. want me to play blind and stuff like mm-hmm. that and of course I'm not allowed to because I right. work at corporate stinking radio, right. but it got to the point where I would go to the music director and be like, "Hey, I'm getting a ton of requests for corn, you know, can I play it?" Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, "No,
0: yeah.
2: I would say, "Why not? you know they they're they're huge, you know, people are calling me all the time asking to play this band, you know And he's like, "Well, they don't have a hit single. Yeah. So I tried to appeal to this guy because he was a big kiss fan. I said, "Hey, You know, you got to remember back in the day when KISS first came out, they didn't have, you know, hit singles, you know, they didn't have, you know, top 10 songs or nothing like that. But it was the fans that would call the radio stations and bombard the DJs with calls that they finally started playing KISS. You know, same thing here. You know, but he couldn't see the comparison because, of course, KISS is in in corner, you know, two different things. But the concept is the same. So when they came out, it was the start of something good. And you know where they got to now, man. I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's why I, oh. I, I got like a kind of a sour feeling with corn, is because you know that stuff was so good and uh-huh. so groundbreaking. And now, man, corn sucks.
0: Well, and also corn also can be blamed for spawning so many imitators that were that's so true. not up to snuff with what they did. What corn? I mean, corn. Not that they were ever the first band to tune down. Hell, Keith Richards tuned down back in the sixties. Right. But they were the first band that would embrace that style, like throw using a. Using a Steve Vai seven-string guitar, and instead of having that seventh string be a high E, adding another low like putting a bass string on there, right. lowering the tuning, and just getting guttural with the sound. But at the same time, having these real snappy popping drums, yeah, which almost had a hip-hop beat. And I'm not a hip-hop or rap fan by any stretch. Right. But there was just something magical about that mix. And then you had Fieldy on the bass do, you know, doing that percussive slapping on the yeah. bass. And it's just... Just all together, it was it was almost revolutionary at the it time. Was. I mean, because you, you would not hear anything else like it out.
1: No. And
0: some of the songs on there, in my opinion, are some of the better metal songs that have been released in the last twenty years. I mean, you've got "Blind" is an amazing song, and if yeah, you've never is. seen Corn live, you haven't experienced "Blind" and it's all in its full glory cuz I we went and saw Corn when uh, they were doing the Life is Peachy tour and uh, they were still kind of a club group. They weren't the this album did well, but it, it didn't propel them into superstardom at the time. Right. It was like you said it was a word of mouth grassroots type build Absolutely. up. Absolutely. And we went up to Louisville to this club called the Brewery to see Corn play. And the main, the main reason I went was the other band headlining the show was Helmet, who I oh, loved. Oh yeah, Helmet was awesome. 90s. Helmet was a very underrated band. Very. Um but Corn was building up, and uh, my drummer and best friend at the time, Wes, he was the one who got me into Corn because he he bought this record and he just he saw them at a place called 328 Performance Hall here in Nashville that's no longer around, and he just raved about Corn and and I'm not gonna lie I'm not I don't embrace change well right I, when I like a style I like it to stay the same and it takes a lot I have it takes repeated listenings for me to get it. And I didn't get corn at first. I was like, "What the hell is this crap?" Because I was it just it didn't hit me initially. I was it just sounded like a bunch of garbage noise. Right. Because I was coming off of more of the, the quote unquote hair band era. I liked big guitar solos. Sure. This stuff had no guitar solos. Right. Or just sound effects. You know. So it, it was kind of a hard pill to swallow. But then as I when I when I heard it enough times in a row, some one time it just finally clicked, and I was like, "This is really fucking good music." And uh, so. I wanted to see helmet too. So I was like, well, let's go up to Louisville and see this corn and helmet show. And, um, and it said, plus special guests on the ticket. So we went from Nashville up to Louisville, getting drunk all the way up there, not the driver, drunk and smoking Mm -hmm. and everything. So we, uh, We get up into the Louisville area and we're running late. And we're like, "Shit, we're gonna miss the opening band." But we didn't know who the opening band was. Right. So um, we stop at a gas station and I find like the local, you know, music rag paper that tell you know who's playing around town, and it's got the listing for the show and it says Corn Helmet plus special guest Limp Biscuit. And hmm. at the time no one knew who the hell Limp Biscuit right. was and we were like, Limp Biscuit? What a stupid name for a band. <laughs> As if corn wasn't bad enough. Right. But it was it was like, What is this, a meet and three show? And um nice. so uh we we're like, Well, we're gonna miss whoever the hell Limp Biscuit is, so who cares? So we show up late, we get there probably a couple songs in on Helmet set, and I was like, Well at least we're gonna get to see Helmet. Yeah. Minute we walk in, everyone in the club is going, "Oh man, Limp Biscuit was fucking amazing!" Wow. So, this is when Limp Biscuit had just started, you know, just come onto the scene. Corn had actually taken them under their wing, and uh, so I went out and bought Limp Biscuit's record the next week and loved it, which they were great for the first couple of albums. And then I was going
1: to say, if thrills. Limp Biscuit's on your list, I'm going to punch no, you. No, 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 no.
0: Limp Biscuit's <laughs> not on the list.
1: The, I'm going to reach
2: over and punch you. <laughs> I will say that the
0: the first Limp Biscuit album, Three Dollar Bill Y'all, is awesome. But um, yeah, the, right. that's just my my opinion. I'm not the same person I was in the in the '90s. So I'm this stuff. You know, you're this is coming from the point of view of a then 17 year old. Right. So you know, I was young and naive, and I still had a lot of music to discover. But like, at the time, it was interesting stuff. Plus, you know, it was either listen to that or the toadies and shit like that. You know, so, you know, I didn't or yeah, goo goo totally. dolls or whatever. You no, know, no, thank you. We didn't have a lot to choose from. That's but true. um, so anyway, what I was saying that as I digress majorly, um corn came on stage they did twist which is okay it's off life is peachy but then they broke into blind and that whole crowd when he said are you ready and then the the music kicked yeah. in it went apeshit and i, I mean can imagine. it was a the pit was as big as the floor so that song is amazing the record is great my favorite song on the record is a song called clown which uh hasn't got didn't get a, you know really any airplay but it's got it's some great music and maybe we'll play it on the show sometime um
2: Hey, we can do another uh, Radio Sucks Radio Show. We'll have show. to do that. We'll be, maybe we'll play that. Have uh, fun with that one.
0: But yeah, it's a great record. I know not all, all my listeners are, are gonna love this, but you know, I, it made number five on my list, so uh, as I've uh gone down on corn enough for the neck for the last few minutes, let's go ahead and get to your number four, Aaron.
2: Okay. Number four. Um, you know, man, this it's it's so hard. There's so many great CDs and albums that came out at that time. Man, this is tough my number four on the top five albums between 90 and 95 we talked about it a little bit not too long ago kiss revenge you know and being a huge kiss fan like I said I mean revenge is a killer album it's got its ups and downs you know there's some songs on it that are just amazing some songs on it that are pretty weak but, you know, all in all, it's Kiss, 1992, one of the heavier albums they'd came out with in a long time. You know, I loved Revenge, Unholy, you know, Domino, all these great songs on that on that disc. But, you know, again, we're talking about, I'm a Kiss fan, you know, and, and to me it was very exciting when that album came out, and it was even more exciting when it came out and it was heavy, you know, and like we talked about before in the top five uh, Kiss songs of the non-makeup era. You know, that was a really heavy album for Kiss, and it was something that Kiss fans could be proud of. In a time where, you know, you're talking about the age of, you know, so many bands came. I mean, Metallica had Black come out at that time. We're talking, you know, I don't even want to get into the list because I don't want to ruin nothing, but there were so many good albums that came out between 90 and 95 that, you know, it's hard, but I can't not include Kiss. I can't Mm -hmm. not include them. You know, for me, that would be personally wrong. People would wonder what the hell was wrong with me.
0: (laughs) Revenge is a great record. It was a bittersweet time to be a fan because uh, it came on the heels of Eric Carr passing away, right. which that was today. Uh, this week is the anniversary of uh, of his passing uh, in 1991. But uh, Revenge is, it was dedicated to Eric. And uh, speaking of Eric, um, the uh, Car Jam track at the end of the record yeah. is uh, really cool. A lot of some people don't know that the, the music from that is initially uh, stuff that they recorded from the Elder.
2: Well, that was, yeah, because that was Ace Fraley. The story was, you know, that I read at one time was, you know, if you if on Ace Fraley's uh, CD, Second Sighting, they uh, they do Breakout, which is basically That's that, that riff, song. Yeah. yeah, it's that riff. And um, Ace Fraley had asked Eric Carr to come play on it with him, and Gene and Paul told him no. Right. You know, and it really broke Eric Carr's heart to not be able to go play on this right. track because that's something he and Ace, you know, had sat down together and come up with. Right. And so then Ace had to do it with his own band, added Todd Howarth on vocals, and it became Breakout. And then on Kiss Revenge, it was the car jam. Right,
0: and I almost you almost have to wonder if that was done out of guilt on uh, Gene and Paul's part, if they, uh, they threw that on there. They should have, you As a fitting you know? tribute, because I, yeah... I,
2: I get why, why be a dick like that if, no. you know if Eric Carr comes to you and says hey man I really like right. oh no we hate Ace Fraley so bad you know right. that we don't want you to have anything to do with him and we want mm-hmm. his albums to suck so that we can <laughs> always put him down and always discredit his contribute uh, his contributions mm-hmm. to the band you know and that's bullshit you know that's right. my biggest beef with Gene and Paul yep. is that you've got Ace Fraley who was a just so instrumental in everything you did and was so instrumental in helping you become what you, become what you are, you know. And you just don't want to credit that. But we're not talking about Ace really because he came out with no albums between ninety and ninety five. Yeah, he did. Did he? Trouble walking. Eighty nine. Was that eighty nine? Eighty nine. That was like ninety one. Eighty nine. Okay. So yeah, no Ace really. Oh, I just lost my Kiss
0: cred.
1: Yeah, there All you right. go. Um, Ha-ha.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. The pettiness of of Gene and Paul, it's but anyway. But anyway, they got their shit together to get back together with Bob Bob Ezrin for that record, and. uh it was a yeah, a fantastic record. Um, Vinny Vincent helped write part of that record, yeah, um, sure which a lot of people don't know. And by the way, um, this is Vinny Vincent's musical output for this week.
2: Damn it, Vinny. Come on, man. Well, he's We're getting, waiting he's on you. He's getting
0: ready for his next court case. Ah. Um, so anyway, yeah, Revenge uh, was going to make my list, but now I've got to make a substitution so we have uh, balance. But thanks a lot, Aaron. Hey, that's <laughs> not for
2: You can't. Then I'm going to make you start going first so I can change shit up on the fly.
0: Well, then I... Well, I've got the... Hmm. So, is
2: Kiss originally on your list? Yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: Kiss was my number three. But, um... So, I'm gonna substitute... Well, I'll substitute... I'll think about substitute. I mean, I've
2: got three albums listed that I think are better than Revenge, you know? And it's... Oh, man. This is difficult, Chris. <laughs> this was a hard one.
0: All right. Well, real, real quick, let's do my number four. Um, my number four is a record that came out in 1991. And this band is huge and to this day they are huge and the funny thing is is this album I love and I pretty much don't like anything else they've released ever since Hmm. and they've been around for 20 years and we've already talked about them already today the album is called 10 and it's by a band called Pearl Jam this is a great record in my opinion I wish the band had stuck with this type of sound and continued on through the 90's with it. this is not a grunge album This album has a lot of rock appeal. Yeah, a lot has a lot of big guitar solos, has a lot of big sound, big drums, and uh, from what I hear, Eddie Vedder did not like the sound of this record. He thought it was too produced, which is probably the reason why they sound so underproduced on all their other stuff. Right. But but this, like you would mention, this is probably this. I'm sure there's quite a bit of Mother Love Bone in some of these songs.
2: That's what I was gonna say. I always wondered, you know, how much. Of that Pro Jam ten album, were songs that were written for Mother Love Bone, but then brought to Eddie Vedder and said, "You know, write some, write some yeah. lyrics for." Because
0: it's it's oh, pretty much the antithesis to everything they've done since. then. I mean, they've done a couple songs here and there like it, right? But as a record, they haven't done anything like it since. Then.
2: No, and that's easily the most popular album oh, they ever come out with.
0: It's fantastic from start to finish, and like a, a lot of uh, a lot of my hair band friends, they. You know, like to shit on it or shit on Pearl Jam and you know, that's the stuff that ruined the sub music. I mean you gotta look at some of the riffs in this stuff. Yeah. Like even flow is a great riff. Oh yeah. Alive has a Heck solo is. which you could say that borrowed from Ace fraley from she yeah. who also borrowed that from um I think it was I can't remember the name of the song. It was a Doors song, uh ten to one I think is what it was called. I can't remember. Five no, to one. Five to one. Yeah. There's a Robbie Krieger solo from the yeah. Doors. But, I mean, hell, you don't get much more rock history than that. And then you've got Jeremy, which, yeah, it got overplayed as hell on MTV and we all got sick of it. Yeah. I hadn't heard it in a few years and I went back on my iPod a few days ago and listened to it. That song is fucking awesome. It is an Ever, awesome from song. From start to the lyrics, the music, listen to the buildup to music at the end of that song. It's yeah. It's awesome.
2: It's... Here's here's my thing with Pearl Jam, you know, and I was one of those guys. I was one of those guys that at at about this time, you know, when the Motley Cruz of the world, when the L.A. Guns of the world, when, you know, these bands are all starting to kind of fade out, you know, there's so many bands that were like them, you know. And you can't damn the Poisons, the Crews, and the L.A. Guns and the Warrants and stuff because those guys were the forerunners. And then there were so many other bands, like you say, you know, Corn. To bands nowadays. Uh-huh. How many bands have corn spawned in that genre of music that they sort of created? <laughs> same with pearl Jam. That are just awful. Yeah, same pearl Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, and they're just terrible because they're carbon copies of mm-hmm. these original forerunning bands. Yeah. Now, when you, th- and like I said, I was one of those guys, I resisted it. You know, I, I didn't, personally, I didn't see too much of a difference because I listened with my ears and not my eyes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, maybe with the exception of Kiss, but that's different. <laughs> right. um, You know, and to me, like I said, rock is rock. It doesn't matter as long as it's got, you know, crunchy guitars, nice distorted riffs, you know, guitar solos are great. You know, as long as it's got all those elements, I'm probably going to like it unless the singer's just awful. But, you know, at that time, I really resisted it. Now it took me a long time because what you do is you you hear you know at that time I remember I would I skip school had a buddy that lived across from the school we'd run over to his house and watch like the new videos of the week and on them videos would be you know Stone Temple Pilots Nirvana mm-hmm. Pearl Jam Soundgarden Alice in Chains and Ugly Kid Joe right. you know and I loved Ugly Kid Joe yeah. man loved that band still to this day one of my top they might be my top five favorite bands maybe not five but right up there you know yeah. and uh, to me it was like wow things are changing now like ugly kid joe was the last of those type of party bands (laughs) you know yeah they were the last ones to to do it on their own because they were different enough from these other bands but they were also very different from the pearl jams and nirvanas of the world too now to me pearl jam it took me a long time to accept them my brother was a huge pearl jam fan Had everything they owned everything they ever came out with he owned it and You know, I was like, yeah, Pearl Jam sucks. You know, I don't want to hear that. I heard Jeremy for a million times. You know, it got so sickening to hear it again and again and again. When I felt like there was other good bands at that time coming out with music that were getting pushed aside and just dumped on because we don't have time for that. We've got to listen to Jeremy again. You know, it was almost like a Nickelback thing, you know, where, you know, not to compare Pearl Jam to Nickelback because Pearl Jam blows Nickelback out of the water. But as far as being pushed down people's throats, you know that's what it felt like. It took me until oh I don't know, two thousand six ish I guess. Uh Um, My brother took me to see Pearl Jam here in Nashville at the uh, at the um, the Starwood, Uh and what a great show, man! And Uh they were rocking. And so to me, Pearl Jam is almost like two bands. Uh You know, you've got their you know mellow bummer you know kind of music (laughs) that you know you could put on if you were really sad or something but on the other hand they have got some kick-ass rock songs throughout Mm -hmm. the years so you know you could buy the new Pearl Jam CD and you know if there's 10 songs on it five of them are just killer Mm -hmm. and the other five are just filler I guess you know and it's just not my thing but yeah the Pearl Jam as far as their heavy stuff Mm -hmm. I love Pearl Jam. Well
0: that's why I I'm not even really a fan of Pearl Jam. I'm mostly a fan of this record, and, yeah. and I watched the as we talked about that documentary. You know, it, that record is, a, is has a special place in my heart because it was high school for me, and you know, it was. Yeah, I have just a lot of memories tied to this record, so that's going to influence all these choices, you know. But um, no, Pearl Jam as a band. One of the things that always pissed me off about Pearl Jam, and let, let me rant for just a second. Okay, they. I love the fact that. It was so funny back then, and I uh, watching the documentary brought it all back because I had friends that you know worshiped these guys, and but it, the whole alternative culture back then of um, basically pretending not to care about things, and right. Pearl Jam was a big proponent of that shit. And it was like they they're at the Grammys or whatever, and they're like the winner is Pearl Jam, and then they get up on stage, Eddie gets the the trophy, and he's got his head hung down, and he's like. This really doesn't mean anything. And I'm thinking, then why the fuck did you show up to the show? Exactly. Obviously, it does. It's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. It's a gimmick gimmick just as much as rappers saying how many guns they got and blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, you know, quit acting like you're above all this shit. And quit acting like you don't want to be a rock star. I'm sure that you enjoy all that money that you fucking make.
2: And you know damn well as soon as they got around the curtain, they were like, fuck yeah. Yeah, You You know, they act
0: like, oh, we're in this to help, you know, push our agenda on environmental stuff and and it's fine if you care about those things. But right. you got into it because you liked playing rock and roll and you exactly. wanted to screw groupies. Let's not let's not let's not overthink this. Right. And they always act they always overacted on how they cared and or didn't care about things. And I was just like i said i love this record but pearl jam used to piss me off with that and then like of course all my friends had to act just like that you know right. and it's just like or kurt cobain used to pull that shit all the time too yep. this doesn't mean anything and i'm like then why are you doing it
2: right obviously it's it such a something. drag to be a millionaire yeah. and have all these women and you know have anything i want at the snap of a finger man this totally sucks right. you know yeah. while well, the rest of us are trying to figure out how the hell we're gonna pay our mortgages and stuff you know and yeah. it's like man i'd love a piece of this uh, get a little nirvana money you yeah know? it really but, sucks playing geez, packed arenas every yeah day. it's. It's just awful to get up here and play these rock songs man just terrible give me a break you know yeah at least the party rock bands like poison and crew and stuff at least they were honest about yeah, it admit hey that you like this it. is fun <laughs> we love it you love it let's all party right. and have a great time what's wrong
0: with being positive i don't exactly get and uh, you know one of my favorite gimmick. one of my favorite lines and I, I i i can't credit the writer because i cannot remember the name of the writer who wrote this but it was in one of circus or hip writer or one of those magazines summed it up real clearly he's like the transition from the late 80s into the early 90s was we went from i want to rock and roll a night and party every day to i hate myself and want to die it's pretty much and that's pretty, that's much, pretty much that was it. the whole the, that was the the uh consciousness of america and yeah. while i love some of this stuff that came in during that time is it was like everything went from happy rock to depressing
2: depressing right rock. but it's still rock
0: it's you know? still rock and pearl jams 10 is a great record so um Go ahead and send your hate mail to uh, NashvilleRocketLive.com and I'll get it personally, and you can tell me how much I don't know about music. Um, So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we're going to be back with our number three and number two choices of our top five rock and metal songs of the early 90s.
2: Hi, this is Leonard Skinner's Airplane Pilot, and you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Too soon. Still? Now, we know you love the Decibel Geek Podcast, but right now I'd like to take a moment to turn you on to our friend's show, um, the PWA show.com, talking about Corey H. and D. Brew. Now, these guys cover a wide array of subjects, and you never know what you're going to hear these guys talking about, but I can tell you this, a guarantee, that it's always going to be funny and it's always going to be entertaining.
0: That's true. Uh, if you want to hear the, all the new talk about Occupy Nashville, adult onesies, and a a whole bunch of crank calls to Walmart employees, this is the show for you. Uh, Corey is kind of a hippie-ish guy who likes to go to Whole Foods and pay twice as much for groceries as everyone else. And D. Brew is more of a laid-back conservative dude. I think he works for the police, so hopefully he's not going to find my stash. But uh, check out the PWA show at thepwashow.com.
2: All right, welcome back to the Decibel Geek Podcast. We are doing the top five albums of the years between 90 and 95. We're breaking it down to five-year blocks. Um, So far, my top five, my number five pick, Alice in Chains Dirt. Uh, Number four, Kiss Revenge. Chris, you picked, what was your number five? Number five was Korn's first album. Korn's first album, and your number four was Pearl Jam 10. All great albums, but we're going to move on now up to number three. Now, I'm going to let you go first this time, so I can switch it up later.
1: Number three.
0: All right, well, (laughs) (laughs) exactly, because my number three was initially going to be Revenge by Kiss. So we're going to substitute, because I have an an also-ran list, and this is an easy substitution because I'm actually kind of happy this is going to make my top five, because you took the onus off me. But then I'll I'm sure I'll give you the favor back. Then I am that.
2: the true Kiss fan out of the two oh, of us. Shit. See, you couldn't. No matter what you did, you couldn't get me to bump Kiss off the list. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: My number three is a fantastic record. From which obviously it's a fantastic record. It's on my top five list. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the sixth studio album by which it, a lot of people didn't realize this is the sixth album by this band because a lot of people don't know about the first few albums that they did because they've done a damn good job at burying them. Um. This album came out in 1992. is really, really heavy. Any ideas of what it is? I
2: know what it is. I know what you're talking this about.
0: This album is called Vulgar Display of Power yeah. by Pantera. Terra is a huge influence on me. Um, back when I used to still play guitar, I never got up to Daryl's level, but Dimeback Daryl was a humongous part of my early uh, years of being a guitar player. And uh, But aside from just guitar playing, the whole record is just, a, is just a, a motherfucker of an album.
2: It is. I mean, Vulgar Display of Power, when that came out, I mean, like you said, you know, they're their first albums. Nobody really knew about them. So most <laughs> most people, Cowboys from Hell, is the first Pantera album. But I mean, you got to figure, you know. And this is kind of blowing it for me because I've got. Oh, I'm it's, sorry. It's tough to do it this way because, well, let's just go ahead and. Dang it!
0: Was this our dang on it, your Chris? List?
2: You're messing things up for me well, over you here on substi- my list. You
0: can substitute. Also. No,
2: I can't substitute. I have to go ahead and tell you what my number one album is. Why is that? Well, I guess I don't have to. No, you don't. Okay, well, let's just just talk about Vulgar's Display of Power then. When that album came out, what a kick in the ass. You know, that was, you know, I think Cowboys from Hell put him on the map, Mm -hmm. but Vulgar Display of Power was huge, you know. Dimebag Daryl was, you talk about groundbreaking stuff that happened in those years. Dimebag Daryl and his style of guitar playing, you know, he had borrowed a lot from Ace Fraley. Oh. But he took it to a whole oh, yeah. new level and added his own to it. And nobody since or before then played like Dimebag Daryl. A, a lot of imitation, mm-hmm. but never any duplication when it comes to Dimebag. And in my opinion, you know, love Ace Fraley. Dimebag Daryl's got to be the greatest guitar player of all time.
0: I don't know that I'm ready to put him up there yet. That's such really. A, well, that's such a subjective thing. We we have to do a show on that one too. Okay.
2: Because that's. Well, I just blew my pick. He's,
0: he's <laughs> well, he's he's up there with. I mean, he's definitely in the highest echelon of guitar players. I'm not sure that I'm ready to replace Eddie Van Halen with him, but but he's up there. Yeah. No. But. Uh, Vulgar display of power, awesome record. And actually, what I learned, one thing I learned from the Wiki page, which we know Wikipedia never lies, um, yeah. <laughs> the title of the album is from uh, the movie The Exorcist. Did you know that?
2: No, I did not know that. It says,
0: uh, when Father Karras asks Reagan, the little girl in the movie, uh, to break her own straps and release herself using her evil power, Reagan responds with, well, that's too much vulgar a display of power.
1: If you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? That's much too vulgar a display of power, Karras wow
0: which is interesting i wrote a report on uh, the exorcist in college to freak out a professor but uh, that's another story for another day but uh yeah vulgar is an awesome record and you know some of my favorite songs on the album it uh, kicks off with mouth for war which yeah just, it punches you right in the face just like the album cover to start off the record i love like uh, by demons be driven
2: yeah that's an awesome song yeah,
0: and then uh well the, the whole record is great i don't think there's any song on here i don't like i don't i i, I bitch about walk but i still like it right um but yeah, rise is a really heavy yeah. song. You know, f- you can't in fucking hostile. Yeah, he's, have you heard uh, the one hundred one proof live record? For sure. Where he's talking, he's telling them right before this: "Are you? Are y'all ready?" He's like, "I want to see the whole place go ape shit." And just Phil Anselmo is awesome. He's like a great ringleader on stage. <laughs> and uh so yeah, speaking of Pantera, a little quick concert story. I remember we went. They came here to Starwood and a few years ago, well, many years ago. I should say. Yeah, it's been a while. When I was in college and. um Last minute, we all just decided let's go see Pantera, and because uh, my friends, a couple of my friends had never seen him, and I was like, "Well, let's go." You know, we'll go, we'll go jump in the pit because that was that's that was in yeah, vogue then. Was sure. you you would go to a show to beat people up, right? And uh, so we were like, "Well, that's cool. Let's go get grass seats and we'll get in the pit." So we go <clears> up to the ticket office and we and you know back then at Starwood you could see around the ticket booth and you could see the grassy area. You remember right. that? Yeah. Well, the grass was empty, and I was like. What the hell's going on? And and um, they were, and they were like they said the grass is sold out. And we're like what? And we're like well let's just buy a regular seed and then we'll get into the grass area and the, then the pit will start or whatever. Right. turned out they had closed off the grass area to stop people from moshing. Oh wow. So they had everyone in the seating area. So you right. cut the attendance in half right then.
2: So you could only kick the shit out of the people in you your direct vicinity. You couldn't even do
0: that. <laughs> there were people on the walkway behind the seats that were just dancing and they were getting thrown out of the show. Really? It was some kind of weird security clusterfuck. Wow. And like I had, yeah, two friends of mine from high school were pushing each other just around. Hey, you there. Around. Quit enjoying yeah. the music. And they were and they threw them out of the show and it was like That's insane. So imagine going to a Pantera show watching them just go fucking crazy on stage but you're you can't not allowed do anything to. yeah that is not it was ridiculous but anyway they were still great but uh yeah vulgar display of power that's my number three great record um if you've never heard it i don't know what rock you've been living under yeah it, no kidding get that hell off i do of underneath it, it, and, it and yeah go get that <laughs> right it's now a great record all right totally
2: so yeah number three for you number three for me love this album i mean probably one of the best he ever came out with you know definitely some of the best stuff he's come out in later years my number three pick for the top five albums between 90 and 95 gotta give it to the man the godfather of metal Ozzy Osbourne with no more tears what a great album that was Zach Wilde on the money you know talk about a super group you know that album was a super group and just you know and I'm you know it's it's always the the same deal where you know you get the one song that you hear over and over and over and over again that's the one you know but the rest of that album is just killer I love it from beginning to finish you know some of the one of the best albums i think ozzy's ever come out with which is saying something because ozzy's come out with good ones some and continue stuff, yeah. continues to to this day but there was something special about no more tears there was it was different than the stuff he kind of done before that i think it was zach coming into his own a little bit in the band and really you know that that's some of zach wild's best guitar work is on that album Absolutely. you know and before he just
0: played himself out
2: yeah. right and uh I don't know. What can you What can you say about no more tears? That hasn't you know. It's just great from top to bottom, all the way through. Mama, I'm coming home. A little played out heard it too many times but even that's not a bad song if you're in the mood for it no it's a good melodic you know song. but for me i'm all about the heavy shit i'm all about the screaming guitars the rocking solos you know and, and this album delivers the goods through and through ozzy osborne no more tears came out in 91 and blew my freaking mind i yeah, loved it
0: that song that that whole record was kind of sewed into the consciousness of music at that time because it was ozzy it was ozzy reestablishing himself after a few years of just let's just be honest some not very good stuff i right. mean you do. Really the last thing before that that he had done that I thought was great was um the bark at the moon stuff with the you know Jakey e. Lee playing for him.
2: See, you know, I liked uh No Rest for the Wicked. I, didn't I thought care that much was for that. I mean that had its that was an album that you know had its moments. You know, it was another one of them where it's you know uh, a few that are yeah, killer and cohesive. a little bit of filler, you know. And, yeah. and uh Ultimate Sin I don't know. That one no, too had some good a, songs on it, but record. it was too. That was the keyboard album, you yeah. know? Get that sh- This is Ozzy fucking Osborne, man. Uh, you don't play no keyboards on this shit. And him
0: having, like, videos where he's dressed like a businessman in a cowboy hat. And it was
2: just. Wearing uh, Ric Flair robes yeah, and stuff it was, like it was that.
0: A, yeah, he looked like. B. Arthur or some shit. Yeah, was, he looked it, like hell, man. He did. He looked awful. He was it, fat then. He was fat. He was bloated. He was his drug addiction had gotten to like its worst point ever.
2: This this album this here, was No him, More Tears, that was, was this, reminding it, it was people that I am the Prince of Fucking Ex- Darkness, absolutely. and you better recognize. Yeah, it and was, was a great way to do it.
0: It was definitely him reestablishing himself because it. Best thing he did ever, in my opinion, since Blizzard of Oz. You know, because that yeah. was – which I think that's the best solo lineup he ever had. I mean, I you, agree. when you had you got Randy, you've got Tommy Aldridge on the yeah. drums, I and mean, that was a that was a kick ass lineup. But um, I digress. But yeah, that, that's a great record, Zach. Zach was a new uh, commodity at the time, and and you can tell the uh,
2: difference between No Rest for the Wicked in his playing and No More Tears, where I think No Rest for the Wicked he was kind of like, hey, you're the new guy, you're hired, do exactly what I say, and I think that you know you can kind of tell that on No More Tears, Zach Wild got a little more input, you know that I think Ozzy had, you know after after bringing Zach in and coming out with No Rest for the Wicked. You know, going on the big tour and everything, going back in the studio. I think Zach had earned Ozzy's, um, his confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, and he let him cut loose a little bit more. And it definitely goes to show that you know it, it comes through in a great guitar album for sure for Ozzy. Yeah,
0: that's a good record. So let's go. That's that's a good one. Um. So yeah, I will. Although, it was kind of funny that Ozzy's still around after he did a tour called No More Tours.
2: Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Everybody retires and then says, oh, no, we yeah. can't retire. What about Kiss? Yeah, you Kiss know, did the did farewell it. tour with, yeah, uh, was 11 it, years ago. It was actually the so. the farewell to Ace Fraley tour. They should have just, just been honest and called it that. Yeah,
0: we knew they weren't, <laughs> we weren't going to pass up any more money. No, no but, way. All right, so that, that's your pick for your number three? Yeah, number okay. 3 <laughs> so you We're up boys. to number two. Number two. So... <laughs> Number two. This is my pick for number two. This is another one that some people are going to be like, eh. Although you've already told me that you liked it, so you kind of screwed up my list a little bit. But good. I'll go good. All right, good. You um, messed up mine too. <laughs> so we'll throw. In we don't
2: a... we don't discuss this ahead of time. No, I don't. mean, when we're we're on the air and we're recording, this is the first time. You're like, I'm hiding my list. Uh-huh. Chris has got his list hidden from me. So if it gets jacked up, well, that's just too damn bad. Because that's the way we do it. <laughs> We don't really sit down ahead of time and try to hash this out. We, it's you know, throw our yeah, we throw our opinions <laughs> at each other, and that's about it.
0: All right. So this is uh, my number two, which this album had a profound effect on me as a teenager, and uh, this was this was sort of my introduction to grunge music. It was a it was my it was my gateway drug into liking grunge stuff because it had a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. This album was released in August twenty first, nineteen ninety. Thank you, Wikipedia. If you're right, um, facelift. Alison Chains.
2: Love it. Ray Love record. that album. We talked about that a little bit earlier with my number five pick being Dirt. You know, like I said, it was a toss-up for me because both albums are really good. Facelift. I mean, when when that first came out, when man, the I remember the first time I seen the Man in the Box yeah. video, and I was just like, Holy that was shit! Different. What <laughs> is this? You know, it, it, this is not Motley Crue. This is not Poison. It's not Guns N' Roses, it's not Metallica. In a lot of ways, it blew some of that stuff away. And I think Alice in Chains, you know, and a lot of people lump these guys in with you know being the alternative rock and being the grunge rock. But man, this is a fucking metal album through and through. Facelift is killer.
0: Yeah, it's got the uh, Jerry Cantrell, great lead guitar player. Yeah, um, some of the solos are. I, I'm always going to speak from a guitar player's point of view, folks, because that's that's the way I came up. You, you know, know and I'm
2: I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, if if you could have, you know, the best singer in the world, and if it don't have rocking guitars, I don't give yeah, a I shit about yeah, it. Yeah.
0: That's why Corn was kind of an unorthodox choice for me, like I said, because it was a bitter pill to swallow not having the big guitar solos. Right. But at the same time, there's some really inventive riffs on there. But like Alice in Chains... Jerry Cantrell, you could obviously hear the Ace Fraley influence on oh, that. Oh yeah, for sure. You know that Jimmy Page type blues rock yeah. quality, which that's what I thought that's what made Allison Change stand out amongst some of these grunge bands because a lot of the grunge bands did not have good lead players at all. No, you would hear sometimes no guitar solo or just really weak ass guitar solos. Yeah. Allison Chains, you could always count on really good tasteful guitar solos, and um, the mix with with Cantrell and Staley's vocals together. Yeah. Those harmonies together. That's I mean that's just Legendary as far as music goes. I mean, those but they were a great pair. You
2: know, there's never been a band like them before that point. There's Mm -hmm. never been one like them since. I mean, you're right. The 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 harmony styles of these guys really set this band apart because you know we're used to you know up to this point where there's you know you got a guitar player, a bass player, maybe a rhythm guitar player, a drummer, and the front man right you know and there was no you know yeah there was harmonies and stuff like that but this band was it was almost like they had two lead singers yeah you know because they both took over so much you know their their vocal presence on even this one dirt and everything else they ever mm -hmm. did was you know it was a double attack yeah you know which really made them unique and special but you know the fact that this they just fucking rock man i love alice in chains
0: i i am on my i think my fifth copy of this album
2: yeah, because I wear you know, them out. Huh?
0: I wore out three cassette tapes, and I went, and then I had one CD. The CD got broken, and then I, now I'm onto my fifth version of this record. That, yeah, that's our, how much I. For love our
2: younger out. listeners, you might want to go on the Wikipedia that Chris loves so much and look up cassettes.
0: Cassettes, yeah, they were these little square things Yeah, check it out. They were know? shitty.
2: <laughs> I thought they were so cool at the time because it's like, oh wow, I don't, you know, it's like when I was younger. I would buy my Uncle Bruce's albums, you know, because he was into this new, newfangled cassette thing, you know. And so, but it sucked because, you know, what do you do? You can't carry an album with you, Uh you know. And then all of a sudden, like, cassettes were getting big and then Walkman, you know, and all that. And it's like, great, you know, but... Nothing worse than having, you know, you're listening to your favorite seas, cassette, and all of a sudden it starts going. Get the pencil, you know? get the pencil, get the pencil. Yeah, get the pencil. <laughs> tighten it up, you know, yeah. yeah. Ask or, ask your dad about it. He'll explain it.
0: Or if you want to make a copy for a friend, you got to get the Scotch tape.
2: Yeah, know? that's right.
0: <laughs> so, but, yeah, uh, that was a, I'm, on, I'm on my fifth version of this record, and... Uh, some great songs on this record. We Die Young is an awesome song. And, yeah. um Bleed the Freak is a good song. What the, uh, See a Sorrow. See a Heck, Sorrow. yeah. Kicks ass. Love that song. One song I love, it's, it's about as grungy as it gets, but I just love how long it is and how sludgy it is, is the Love Hate Love song. Yeah. It's just it, the way it builds throughout the song. And then Real Thing, there's no better drug song than Real Thing. You yeah. You know, going down the steps on a white line straight to nowhere. Yeah. And these guys were not, this was not a gimmick. They lived it, as is as, as evidenced by two of the guys being dead now. Right. So, well, um yeah facelift was definitely walking the walk and talking the talk for the uh the grunge era drug druggy rock type stuff and uh if you uh, yeah, if you've never heard it, then you owe it to yourself to check that one
2: out. See, these guys were still a party rock band. They just partied in the back room with the doors locked. Oh, they, <laughs> they
0: seriously partied,
2: but uh, yeah, that's my number two. All right, on to my number two, and we're getting down to the nitty gritty now. We're we're almost at number one, but number two for me is one of my favorite albums of all time. One of the greatest rock albums I ever heard. Definitely the best one this band's ever put out, in my opinion. Um, you can't deny it. You know, it's got it all from top to bottom killer vocals, awesome guitars, strong drumming, it's got it all on this album. Even got a couple of slow ones for the ladies on there. It's Skid Row, Slave to the Grind, 1991. Love this CD. There's I can't think of not a single bad thing I can say about that CD. When that came out, you know, the first Skid Row CD was really good and it was a good introduction to the band, Youth Gone Wild, all that stuff. But when Skid Row came out, and like I said when they came out with Slave to the Grind, like they, you know, this was a time when music was changing and things were heavier, you know, and a lot of times Skid Row gets lumped in with the party rock, hair metal type bands. Undeservedly. but Undeservedly so, because if you listen to Slave to the Grind, this band is metal through and through. And I remember the old uh, Skid Row video... I don't think it was "Oh Say Can You Scream." I think it was called "Roadkill," uh-huh. and it shows these guys on the road, and they're hanging out with Pantera. Oh yeah, you know they're touring with Pantera, so you know that shows right there that these bands are equal heaviness. I mean, Dave Snake Sabo, um, Rachel Bolan, these guys, killer guitar players. Um, just it was such a thick, you know, thick guitar sound on that. And to me, my opinion, Sebastian Bach's the greatest rock singer of all time. You know, and it was just the total package with this album and even like i you know i joke i say i oh, got a couple songs on there for the ladies you know the the, the you know required love ballads of the time right. but even those songs you know are it's not like uh i remember you uh-huh. you know the the slow songs off slave to the grind are still heavy in a way mm-hmm. you know they're they're lighter slower songs but they still got that that heaviness to them and uh I mean, you 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 can't deny slave to the grind. Well, I love it.
0: Even the one of the slower songs on there is a, a pretty serious subject matter. It was wasted time. Yeah, was on that record, and that's about losing a friend who died from heroin addiction. Yeah. So I mean, there's, and then you got monkey business, and then the yeah. title track, and you know, psycho love. It was it was it was Skid Row not messing around. You know, they right. they were they definitely delved deep into their their lyrical bag of tricks on that record. Um, but yeah, the title track is just an ass kicker. Yeah, it is. I mean, you
2: know? and then you take songs off the you know the backtrack songs like uh, Mud Kicker and Riot Act. I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of song like if if I'm about to kick somebody's ass, you know, I want you to drag in the PA and and put in this CD and play Mud Kicker while I'm doing it because right. I can't lose if that's playing in the background. But you know, you can do that with Pantera songs too. But 90 to 95 was a very special time because it was a, a transition period between, like you say, you know, the old guard and the new guard as far mm-hmm. as rock music goes. This album lands squarely in the middle and fits either side.
0: Yeah, and it, it debuted at number one, which yeah. was unheard of at that Heck time because yeah. grunge was was killing everything. Right. And Skid Row came out with that, and they just they did great. And it's it just also you know is evidence of how much of a damn shame it is that, that that it ended for the for that for that incarnation of the group.
2: Right, because it wasn't so much, you know, you guys have put out a crappy album and now, you know, you're at the end of your right. rope. These guys actually came out with their strongest album but still got sucked down the drain with all the other bands that and like you said it's it wasn't so much the bands, you know, the difference between the bands cuz rock is rock, you know, to me, but it's the media. Like right. you said, you know, we've got to create a big difference between, you know, what's old and what's new. We have to make, you know, take and let everybody know that, you know, Warren's not cool anymore, but Pearl Jam is. Right. And we have to let them know that Motley Crue's not cool anymore, but, you know, Nirvana is. Right. You know, and same Skid Row versus, you know, Stone Temple Pilots and stuff like that. It was a way for the the record companies and the media to manipulate things into saying, okay, here's something new and delicious for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want the old, you know, the original recipe anymore. That's that's old. You want extra tasty, crispy, and here it is, you know. Yeah. And it's it's all the same, whether it's chicken, burgers, whatever, music, anything. It's all a part of the the big machine, you know, and it's yeah. like... Here's something new and delicious. You know, you've had enough of this old stuff. Now we've got something new and fresh for you. But unfortunately, there's some things on the old menu that you still liked, you know, and, and that's too bad because that's off the menu now.
0: You sound like Paul Stanley with the analogies. I thought
2: that was Gene, Gene Simmons with the, the, of the buffet, way, you know. You know? Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, 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 well, it's, it boils down to taste, you know, and what, <laughs> what can you analogy better with taste than food, you I know, mean, and, you, and you, food and music. You, you enjoy it, you know. You need it. Yeah, it's need you need to survive.
0: You can like pick so- pickles and lobster thermidor. you know.
2: Yeah, you know, why not? But these bands, you know, this the difference isn't that great in that though. You know, no, no, that's that's no. the thing, you know, the I I mean, people were saying I love Pantera, you know, they're heavy, they're awesome, I love them. Oh, Skid Row, oh no, that's that's 18 in life, that's youth gone wild, that's not cool. Right. But this album and even, you know, even uh, Subhuman Race, which gets no attention, right. was a killer album it was. too. But you got if you're gonna pick one of them it's got to be slave to the Grind. in my opinion one of the greatest albums of all time
0: yeah it's, a, it's, it's an awesome record and that's a good pick for number two they almost made my list as well and as you mentioned uh, what you, what people were saying we're gonna after we get done with the number it. I can't ones, believe you
2: put Pearl Jam above Skid Row for shame well like I for shame
0: like I mentioned that a lot of these picks have a lot to do with the emotional tie that I would have to the record and like what it meant to me at the time. So it doesn't necessarily – I'm not saying that there's so much one's better than the other. I'm just listing them in order of importance to me personally. Right. You know, I believe – I don't – I mean, I'm, we're going to have enough listeners bitching about what I picked. I don't need my co-host doing it too. Well, too late. <laughs> too bad for
2: you, Mr. Pearl Jam.
0: You know, you like the Cocteau twins, so –
2: i guess i don't even know what the hell that is inside, <laughs> so, joke. We inside that off mic. yeah it sounds like uh, some kind of venereal disease that i hope never happens to me or anybody i know <laughs> well a, on that got note, a bad case of the cocktail
0: yeah so that's our number twos and uh we're going to come back with number ones and we're also going to have a uh, listener listener choices and we'll read those off when we come back
1: Still waiting on Axel and the gang to come on stage? While you're waiting, listen to the Decibel Geek podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. Stitcher's smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio.
0: Getting ready to do number ones, but let before we get into number ones, let's talk about some of the ones that didn't make the list. And uh, Aaron, what what are your picks for the ones that didn't quite make your list?
2: Well, it's tough because, like I said, you know, 90 to 95 was pretty killer years for, you know, hard rock, heavy metal. You know, for me, some of the top ones that didn't make my list that easily could have, you know, Motley Crue's self-titled album with John Karabi, mm-hmm. so underrated, you know, of an album. You know, personally... It's hard for me because I I could swap that one out for just about any any one of these on my list because it's a great album. Yeah, it's a great record. Um, Guns and Roses, Use Your Illusions uh-huh. one and two, you know, great albums. We you know we've talked about that before where you know they probably could have put that onto one album, mm-hmm. and if it would have been like you say, trim some of the fat off of it and make it make one it album, yeah, it, it could have easily made the top five. You know, and it would have easily would have. Ugly Kid Joe, one of my favorite bands of all time. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. They came out with America's Least Wanted, Ugly as They Wanna Be, and Menace to Sobriety within those five years. All three of them are great albums. Uh, Metallica Black, the Black album, came out at that time. Some great stuff off of there. Um, L.A. Guns, Hollywood Vampires, you know, that was a good CD. Um, Suicidal Tendencies, Art of Rebellion. You know, not not a lot of people talk about suicidal tendencies, but that's one of my favorite albums by them. Art of Rebellion is just killer. Um, That could have easily made my top five. Um, Guar, I'm a big Guar fan, you know, <laughs> not just live. I like their music too. Um, they had four albums come out in that time. Warrant is another band I like, you know, rest in peace, Jamie, Jane Jamie Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, they came out with three albums at that time. Motorhead, you know, had four albums come out within those five years, you know, Yeah they were all pretty good. Like if you'd have took the best of those four albums and put it onto one, that would have easily made the list. Yeah. (laughs) Um, clutch. They, they debuted in that time. They had their, they had their first two albums came out between 90 and 95, which are both killer albums. Um, ACDC's razor's edge. That's Uh one of my favorite ACDC albums. That one's really good. Um, jeez you know Enough's Enough Tweaked is one of my favorite albums too you know that's a really good one that don't get a lot of attention because at that time you know those bands were on their way out yeah you know and then you know Enough's Enough wasn't selling shit back then very
0: underrated you know group. and that's
2: a underrated group and a very underrated album Um, we talked about you know Attack of the Killer Bees by Anthrax you know mm-hmm. that's that was a, like a compilation kind of a disc but there was some killer stuff on that too you know Milk and, and uh, Parasite the cover mm-hmm. of the Kiss song some great stuff on there um, talking about like bands in the transition time, you know, you mentioned Pearl Jam 10 made your list. They didn't quite make mine. Um, Smashing Pumpkin, Siamese Dream was a pretty good album. You know, that could have been right up there. Um, lot of, I don't know if a lot of people know this band, but they might know Queens of the Stone Age, but the, the precursor to that was mm-hmm. Kaios. yeah. They came out with Retch in 91, and Retch is a, you know, poorly produced but still great album. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tesla, Psychotic Supper, another great one.
0: Forgot all about Tesla. Yeah, see, I said the, put them on the list,
2: and that's you know that's what makes this so difficult. You yeah. know, is there's so many great bands that, and you talked about Helmet earlier. I mean, I loved Helmet. Yeah, Helmet, meantime a great, great band. Record. Yeah, man, that song "Unsung." I remember the mm-hmm. first time I heard that, it was like. This is killer, yo. uh, this, yeah, you know. This Unsung is
0: a great song, but uh, one song that I always loved uh the most from from them was a, Do you remember a song called Milk Toast?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was on the album that came out was after that. Was that on the that.
0: other Yeah, it was on a different record. But yeah, I love that song. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the, Helmet's the a, bass line.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great band, you know. You don't really hear a lot about Helmet. They kind of got they were kind of the band, too, that got sort of lost in the shuffle of that because, you know, you had the, the hard rock metal bands of the, you know, they say the 80s, yeah. but, you know, it all kinds of kind of blends between 90 and 95, and even if you go back further than that, in my opinion, the greatest 10 years in hard rock and metal are, is like 85 to 95 because mm-hmm. so much good stuff came out in that time, and it almost is like, you know, these bands sort of seen you know what was coming so they really kicked it in the ass and tried to come out with some good heavy stuff helmet you know they were you know they're a metal band through and through mm-hmm. you know did they really fit in with like the pearl jams and the stone temple pilots and the nirvanas no not at all right. you know they were a metal heavy metal band you know and they just didn't get a lot of credit you know and i think they deserve i think it was a the lot short more. hair <laughs> It could be, you know, maybe. I don't they, know. They,
0: they didn't look like your standard metal band at all. Nah, they,
2: but they sure sounded like oh, it. Oh, they
0: were like the heaviest group of frat guys you'd ever see. Love that band. But yeah, so this, well, you've got a huge list of them I know, also I, I'm bands. telling
2: you, it was so difficult that, you know, any one of these these albums, you know, could have mm-hmm. easily made my list, but it, it's tough, you know. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, I love that album too. I, I'm not a Chili Peppers fan, but man, that one's killer.
0: The only thing, well, the, the, the only reason Metallica Black didn't make my list or even my also ran list, I think, is I'm just so burned out on the damn thing. And, um, right. Chili peppers, I, I do like blood sugar, sex, magic. I thought mother's milk was a little bit better, but that's before yeah. the 90s. But, um, yeah, I think some of the it's not the band's fault that they got overplayed cuz like Metallica Black is a fantastic record. It's just, right, Yeah,
2: you listen to like Wolf and Man oh, and yeah. you know some of them other yeah. songs that are backtracks off The that backtracks CD are great. I've great. just
0: yeah. I just I think I just burned myself out on it after so many years of playing them, but uh yeah, I'm just going to give you a little quick sampling of a couple of them that that almost made my list. One um, this is definitely the tail end of the hair band era, but it was an uh, Empire by Queensrÿche. Yeah, and um, which yeah I know it gets a lot of flack for silent lucidity or silent stupidity, as a lot right. of my friends call it. Um, which, but it's a good, well written song. But besides that, you've got the Jet City Woman, love that and, uh, too. Another rainy night without you. See, I was
2: never a real big Queensryche fan, but man, you know, even working on radio, and somebody would request something mm-hmm. by, you know, hey, now, play some, play some Queensrÿch, and yeah. I say ah, Jet City Woman, I love that. Got song. a lot of
0: play. Um, now Empire is not as great as Operation Mindcrime was, but it's still got some great tracks, and I couldn't put Mindcrime on because it's an '80s record, but right. uh, we'll get
2: there. Yeah, we'll, we'll do those.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do those too. But yeah, best, got, best I can. That's one. Uh, another one that didn't make the list for me, which. Probably should have, but I, I was uh, Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. Yeah, that's
2: definitely on my my list too of ones that could have been on there.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a it was a transitional time for them. It was you know John Bush's first record with the group after you know being an Armored Saint and uh, killer album. Some fantastic threw threw. songs, some of the better songs they've ever put out in my opinion. You've got Only Black Lodge, High Pro Glow, Pottersfield. Yeah, Field. Yeah, all uh, yeah, all of them. songs. Yeah, there's a thousand points of hate. I mean, that's and It's a funny that their first record.
2: their first album with John Bush was actually I think in my opinion the best one they came out with with john bush and the band I,
0: yeah I'll, although i love the uh the last one they did with them which was uh, we've come for you all that's really good too a, but that's not a 90s record so anyway but uh yeah the last one i want to mention that almost made the list was uh the only record done by the as far as i know by this group maybe they did more than one i have to look at wiki but i think it's the only one yeah the only one they ever put out was uh an album called above by a group called mad season yeah which is uh you got uh, members of uh yeah barrett i think barrett martin was with uh screaming trees lane staley from allison chains mike mccready from pearl jam yeah. and uh but uh, yeah it was this record remind will always remind me of college because this is why i just started college when this record came out and it's got some just some great songs to uh kick back to it's, it, it's got the heavier stuff with you know i don't know anything but like river of deceit still gets played on the radio yeah. today and it's a good trippy you know mellow out a joint so, that's what
2: I was just gonna say it's, it's good pot smoking absolutely
0: which you know, would totally fit in with my early college days so I wish they had done more material because they were a good group of group of guys but uh, yeah mad season above great record from the 90s and probably a lot of probably a lot of our listeners haven't even heard that whole record you so, should I, so I highly recommend that it's it's
2: it's heavy but it's mellow at the same time but mm-hmm. it's it's still heavy you know yeah, it's, it's just good music it is really good through and through and we mentioned it earlier mother love bone you know yeah, they, love they came out with uh, uh, was a self titled I guess, wasn't? Yeah. It? And uh, that was a really killer album, too. You know, which was like the precursor of Pearl Jam. We covered all that earlier, yeah. so. You so know. it's
0: time for number one. Number
2: one. I'll go ahead and go first because we kind of discussed this a little bit earlier. Number one. My number one pick. For the top five albums between ninety and ninety-five. And you know, you picked Vulgar Display of Power. You know, with me it was a toss up. It came down to, you know, the number of songs. You know, and, and that's what I kind of referred to on this when I, when it came hard to pick was I'd take a look at my iPod and see check count the numbers of songs from albums. You know, what do I have in my personal iPod? And the, the number of songs off Cowboys from Hell outnumbered um, Pantera's Vulgar Display of Power by just a little bit. But the reason I picked Pantera, Cowboys from Hell, is because it's just a killer album through and through. And you know, 90 to 95 was pretty much owned by Pantera. They came out with Cowboys from Hell, which was killer. Vulgar Display of Power was killer. They came out with a live album. They came out with Far Beyond Driven. 90 to 95 was all about Pantera. You know, those guys owned those five years more than anybody else as far as consistently putting out music. Yeah. Boom, 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 right after another. And, you know, it's all great. It's all killer. I, I can't say anything bad about no. Pantera. I miss that band, man. And I miss Dimebag Darrell. It makes me sad, you know. At moments like this, when you think about you know, it's been a long time since Dimebag Daryl was murdered, and, you know, it, it broke my heart at that time when it happened, and, you know, and now it even brings a tear to my eye to think about that, you Yeah, we'll never hear Dimebag Daryl coming out with new music again, you know, we'll never hear Pantera again, and those five years, 90 to 95, is something that's special in my heart, especially with the band Pantera, that none of us will ever have back, yeah. you know, and... Son of a bitch that killed him, you know. And you say what you want to about it, you know, but you know it's it's sad, you know, and it, it breaks my heart a little bit now just to talk about it, even. But you know, like they say, you think about the good times, yeah. and when I think about the good times, I think about Cowboys from Hell, you know, and how the, when that came out, you know, and I remember somebody said, "Oh man, have you heard, the, heard this new band, Pantera?" And I said, "No, you know, never." You got to listen to this, and just blew my mind on how awesome it was, you know, and. And, uh, yeah, that's my number one right there, no, no doubt about it. You know, And, and like C, you say, know, number two, Skid Row, number three, Ozzy, Kiss, Alice in Chains. Pantera, Cowboys from Hell is it's, – it's hard to – because they weren't grunge. Mm-hmm. They weren't party rock. Mm-hmm. They were metal, you know, well, see, through I think, and through, I think and great all the way around.
0: They can be credited, in my opinion, for taking, taking like thrash metal and making it consumable for the general public. Right, like they they didn't. Phil had just the right mix of high vocals and the guttural stuff without going overboard either way. Right, especially on this record, you have a good mix of both.
2: Yeah, because you can definitely tell in on Cowboys from Hell the uh, the Rob Helford influence. on Oh, absolutely, him. and and that's kind of lost on albums after absolutely. that. Absolutely, know? went
0: he went too a little too heavy, but in my opinion, but uh, right, but yeah, they it's like they could they made thrash music, you know almost ear candy for general listeners, which is hard to do. And, I mean, they charted well through those years. And
2: it's got a lot to do with the, you know, it, you say it's accessibility, you know, yeah. to the masses. Absolutely. But it's the, those riffs. Oh you know, yeah, and, but it's it catchy. They're, they're so heavy. You're they, right, but the yeah. hook was—I yeah, mean, hooks. the hook grabbed you. Absolutely. You know, every single song. I mean, "Cowboys from Hell." The you know the start of that. Mm-hmm. It's like you hear that, and it's like, oh wow, you know, this is going to be killer. You know, and then it's, it starts all with that you know juggernaut of a riff, and then kaboom, and it's yeah. in your face, and then the album just rocks from there.
0: Yeah, they. I mean, Pantera. Even if they had come out in the '70s, I mean, it probably wouldn't have been as, as heavy, but they would have been hooky and catchy even back then you right know? that's what i love about cowboys from hell and what you're back memories of you know listening to that for the first time because it was almost like like a band had come in from mars or something because it was so different yeah from what you it certainly wasn't glam rock or hairband stuff at no. what but it wasn't also slayer like either right it, it was a it was a just a, a good balance of everything and that's what i loved about it and some of the songs on that record are just fantastic i mean like Primal Concrete Sledge, yeah. and Domination, yeah. and, you know, Cemetery Gates is like, Cemetery Gates. It's like a power awesome. ballad, but it but it rocks.
2: You yeah. know, I mean, you think about that is like a song, you know. And I always make the joke, a little something for the ladies, you yeah. know. But you know <laughs> that song was a song that I remember the girls would listen to and just, oh, I love this song. It's so beautiful. And the guys would listen to it and be like, man, I love that song. It's so fucking heavy, you know? and yeah. But it was a nice mix of both, you know? Yeah. And it's like you said that about uh, Slave to the Grind with Wasted Years and uh, Quick mm-hmm. Jesus was kind of the right. same way where it's like, yeah, these are ballads, but kind of they're not, you right. know, because the, the content of them are heavy, you know? The yeah. the the message is heavy. The content is heavy. The music is heavy. But yet it's it's still you know, considered kind of a ballad. Absolutely. But yeah. not really.
0: All right. Well, that's a good number choice. That's your number one. All right. Well, it's time for my number one. I'm talking about the debut album by Rage Against the Machine.
2: Yeah. See, I knew there was going to be some that I forgot.
0: And this one, I listened to the, I, to this day, I listen to this record on a, on a regular basis Yeah, it's, and it's it's it good. never gets old and it's got, uh, you know, it, I don't think Rage ever topped himself. Evil Empire had some great tracks on mm-hmm. it, too. But this one has, is them at their rocking best, I would say. And uh, stuff like Know Your Enemy, which is uh, that's probably one of my favorite tracks on the record. You've got Manor Jane, James Keenan from Tool doing a guest vocal on part of that yeah. song. And uh, the artwork is staggering enough. You've got the photo of the Buddhist monk that has set himself on yeah. fire on the cover. So it, it grabs your attention right off the bat. Um, but yeah, this—I mean—nothing was like Rage Against the Machine when they came out. It was the ultimate rock and rap, you know, mix. Right. And you know, yeah, they. Without
2: had, it being too rap that you didn't like it.
0: No, it, well, Tom Morello is just a complete savant on the guitar. You yeah, know, like a maniac. Yeah, I mean, I wish he would play some straight-ahead solos more, but it, just the stuff he did was just so groundbreaking. And you know, you know killing in the name—that that completely Bomb rocked. Track. Bomb track. You know, take the power back. Yeah. Bullet in the head. The end of yeah. bullet in the head just. Slays people. I, I feel terrible for
2: not thinking of the Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> you know, and there. But you say there's so much that came out in, the, in the, that five year block that yeah. you're bound to forget stuff. But yeah, yeah I, but I feel like an idiot for for forgetting them.
0: Fantastic production by Garth Richardson on the on the on the album. Um, just a just a heavy ass album and uh, you know just a, an angry album. You know, it's got a line. You know, your anger is a gift on it. It's one of those one of those albums that wants you to embrace your anger and you know spit right. it back out. And
2: well, at a time when everybody else, like you said, was oh, well, it sucks. You know, it sucks yeah. to be rock stars. Let's, you know, let's and, be depressed. And these guys weren't. You know, we're not we're not party rock band and we're not you know thrash metal band and we're not you know grunge band but they were something it was like they were something different and unique
0: yeah let's beat the shit out of people
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah they were just aggressive and you know i don't
0: necessarily agree with all the agenda of, of whatever they were pushing but it just just a great record that makes you bounce your head back and forth and, yeah uh, for the music yeah
2: you know, even if you put aside if you're not into you know like you say their agenda or the message they're yeah, trying to push in and the, the lyrics and all stuff, that no. the politics you right. know and save these people in this country and, you know, feed these people in this country and right. save those whales over yeah, there and all that bullshit. That. But when it <laughs> comes straight down to the music and kicking ass, then this album cannot be denied.
0: Yeah. One of the heavier, one of the heavier commercial rap, you know, rock records that, uh, got a lot of good, you know, launched their career from then on. And, yeah. uh, you know, Rage is a great band to this day. And, uh, if you've never seen them live, you owe it to yourself to see them cause they are definitely something to be witnessed. Um, so yeah, Rage Against the Shane self title that's my number one pick, and that's our number one pick, so uh, happy with that list, and I guess we need to talk about some of the listener picks that, uh, that came out, and uh, let me pull that up real quick, so... Let's see if it, if uh, some people got some stuff that we did. We got a extreme Porno graffiti. Remember that group? That
2: yeah, that, album? that was a pretty good album. Uh,
0: Corrosion of Conformity, Blind.
2: Yeah, Corrosion C O C man, I love that band too.
0: I had a lot of people pick Slave to the Grind. That was a that was yeah. a popular pick. Um, That's my number two.
2: I'm with you guys.
0: Nine Inch Nails, Downward Spiral. Yeah, yeah a little too electronic for me too. Um, I like Nine Inch Nails, but not. I don't like the whole record.
2: No, um, I liked uh, what was the one with. Uh, Cause downward spiral. That was that the one with head like a hole, or is no? That, that's pretty hate machine. Pretty hate machine. That's that the That's one I like. I like that. I prefer that to anything else they've ever done.
0: So use your illusion.
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk about use your illusion. Guns and Roses. That was, you know, there was some killer stuff on those albums. Two albums at the same time. You know, with like like we were talking about before. You know, if they would have took that and said we're gonna come out with one. Mm-hmm. and get rid of all the other, you know, like the Estranged and some of the other, you know, oddball songs in there. Because there are some kick-ass heavy songs on there, you know. And, and some of my favorite songs of all time are on those albums. Mm-hmm. But just a little overkill, I think.
0: Here's a couple that I that I forgot about that uh, probably that should have at least made my all star list was you got the Megadeth records from that time. You got Rusty yeah, Peas, Countdown Ru- to yeah, Extinction. Yeah,
2: she, see, there's no, yeah. how could I have skipped Megadeth? Countdown to Extinction is absolutely one of my favorite albums of all time all right i'm, <laughs> I'm knocking out alice in chains and putting that in okay okay
0: and uh you know revenge by kiss uh cowboys from hell you know,
2: speaking of the band you know say overkill you know overkill okay. probably had some good stuff all yeah. in those years too i you know i can't deny that. those guys are awesome
0: let's see seasons in the abyss Slayer. yeah
2: Slayer, seasons in the abyss is that's that's a killer one too
0: uh bad motorfinger by soundguard
2: yeah that's i was thinking about that too as we were talking about <laughs> pearl jam and stone temple pilots and stuff and Alice in Chains is another band that was considered grunge, uh-huh. but that Bad Motorfinger that was a that was a metal album.
0: Yeah, and then you know the Melvins, Stoner Witch, Danzig,
2: you know, got a yeah Danzig. What Danzig come out with three yeah. around in there? Well, had one,
0: good. two, and three. Although first one came oh, out yeah. eighty nine. Oh yeah, okay. So two and three were early nineties.
2: But yeah, two thanks- two was okay. Three was really good. I hate Danzig. I'm sorry. Really? Yeah,
0: I think they suck. I don't know. Just- Why? I don't I mean, like his they've voice. Got, they've I, got killer guitars. I've and everything. never liked Glenn Danzig's voice. I'm no. not a Misfits fan either. Never no? liked the Misfits, and like people always say, it's sacrilege that I don't like the Misfits. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't like their material. Never have. It's weird. I like the Ramones and I like a lot of punk stuff. Yeah. But Danzig and Misfits and Sam Hain and all. I just. I don't like. I don't like the vocals on them. I don't even like Misfits with Jerry only doing it. I just. Huh. I don't know.
2: I like the Misfits I'm and lame. I like Danzig. <laughs> I mean, when that first album came out, it was pretty mind blowing too. You know twist a cane mother all that but like you said that's that's, that's that's for another night yeah. but uh but yeah that's some pretty good some pretty you're not good you're not, not down with little little angry elvis huh no i don't, I don't <laughs> like that
0: i love the video of him getting getting knocked out
2: yeah that's pretty funny
0: that's pretty good but yeah so anyway we've uh, we've blathered on long enough for this episode but uh aaron camaro until next time
2: this was fun. It was difficult. Next time, let's pick a crappier set of years, you know, so it makes it easy to pick.
0: <laughs> we'll do top five Carpenter songs.
2: Ooh, I'll have a hard time naming five. I'll have a hard time naming two.
0: Well, that'll do it this time. See you next week.
2: This has been the Despicable Geek Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.